Welcome along. We have made it to Friday, the end of what has been a very heartbreaking week for conservatives up and down this country, all over the United States of America, and probably uh, some people in all parts of the world as well, obviously following the death of Rush Limbaugh on Wednesday. So we'll get into Rush a little bit more, uh, but you know, we, we do have to move on. Rush would want us to move on and fight as hard as we can to ensure that Republicans regain the House in 2020 as well, or 2022, excuse me, as well as in the Senate. Now, I believe that that starts by pointing out how bad Joe Biden's presidency has been. I mean, we're not even a month into it yet. Listen to this headline today. Biden announces end of Trump's America first agenda in G7 speech. By the way, G7 just stands for group of seven. That includes um, what you would like to think are long-term allies of the United States, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and of course us in the United States. Now, Biden said, um, or excuse me, not Joe Biden, this was an, uh, an administration official saying, now he will get the opportunity as president of the United States early in his term to declare that America is back. Well, when did America ever go away? And the transatlantic alliance is back. Okay, so that should indicate to you what, and by the way, Joe Biden, this, this shouldn't come as a surprise Joe Biden has been talking about doing this. Joe Biden talks about America as needing to have a seat at the table. Well, in a Donald Trump presidency, America didn't just have a seat at the table, but America led that table. America enacted policies and then other countries followed with that. It's all part of a Reagan-type strategy that Donald Trump implemented, peace through strength. Well, now Joe Biden wants to say, we're really not that strong, and we shouldn't be. And, well, I have a big concern with this, though, because you you, you take out the fraud and, and take out the illegal votes and how they've just paused voting at 3 in the morning, and, 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 and Rush touched on this a little bit and said that, listen, even if this fraud occurred, and well, for most of us conservatives, we know that it did occur, there are still millions and millions of Americans that knowingly and willingly voted for Joe Biden. They knew they were shading in, bubbling in Joe Biden's name on the, on the Democrat ticket. And for me, I think that's where our biggest concern should be as conservatives because the conservative ideas and values that we all have when those are put forward in front of a person give a give a person two sheets of paper right here which one of the which one of these ideas do you do you more align with and agree with conservatives and the idea of less government involvement in your life um, and less taxes and uh, deregulation and believing in the individual and the belief that, you know, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Just why do you need to have government on your back the whole time? 
the belief that the individual should be the best that they can possibly be in the freest country in the entire world. Well, there's millions of Americans that didn't agree with that. And do these people believe that America is so inherently and systemically racist? Do they believe that maybe America had too much power and it was unfair for other countries? I truthfully don't know what it is, but maybe it's the Democrats are so incredibly persuasive that Republican, maybe they beat Republicans in that regard. Maybe Republicans have to be stronger. Maybe Republicans should listen to talk radio hosts just like Rush Limbaugh and see the amount of fight, the amount of passion that he had in everything that he said. You know, Rush had a quote um, uh, from earlier on and said, you know, basically, I, I have not changed. I maybe call it boring if you want, but I have not changed and I will not change who I am. Well, that's what I think Republicans have to get back to. You know, following the January 6th so-called riot, and remember the Democrats only have three words anymore, incitement, impeachment, and insurrection. After that occurred, there were Republicans that left Donald Trump's side and it, it basically jumped ship and said, well, Donald Trump, well, I guess he did. I mean, look at Cassidy in Louisiana. I think maybe even there were some supporters that were watching Republicans act like this. Even Lindsey Graham, who, and by the way, Lindsey Graham is now back on the, the Trump boat right after jumping off because, I mean, this guy, he, he, he changes like the weather. Lindsey Graham. I, I really don't have a lot of uh, trust in him whatsoever. But maybe some supporters saw that and thought, you know what, maybe I should get out of this too. I, you saw Nikki Haley, who, who wants to be a, a candidate in 2024, wants to be the candidate in 2024. You know, I see that. And then I look at the other side and I look at the Democrats and I think that you know, they talk in one voice. They have one thought in their minds and then it doesn't change. And it gets repeated by the media. It gets repeated by Democratic politicians. And it go, it, and then it gets into the, the ears of, of everyday Americans who believe this because they see it on the news and they believe when the Democrat politicians tell them something that they have credibility. So we need to really toughen up here. And by the way, Mitch McConnell had better get on board. The way to win in 2022 is following Donald Trump's lead. It's not following Mitch McConnell's lead. And it definitely isn't following what Joe Biden's supporting right now with, with ending the America first. I mean, think about that. I want to put America last instead of America first. I mean, does it get more despicable from a sitting U.S. president? I don't think so. All right, anyway, let's get into some of the news of the day uh, on this Friday. We're almost there to the weekend. How about this now? We have to continue hammering away on Andrew uh, Cuomo. And now, this to me is very, very shot. Well, it sort of surprised me when I first saw the headline. But then I looked back and I thought, wait a minute now. Because I remember the Amazon factory that was going to be built here in New York State and the jobs that it was that was going to come with that um and AOC wasn't she she drove Amazon out of New York now that clearly Andrew Cuomo didn't agree with that whatsoever and I'm wondering now if this is sort of 
revenge or retribution on AOC's part. Here's your headline in Fox News. AOC calls for full investigation of Cuomo's handling of nursing homes amid COVID pandemic. The New York Democrats said in a statement, this is a, I mean, this is AOC. This is the New Democrats leader saying, I support our state's return to co-equal governance and stand with our local officials calling for a full investigation of the Cuomo administration's handling of nursing homes during COVID-19. Thousands of vulnerable New Yorkers lost their lives in nursing homes throughout the pandemic. Their loved ones and the public deserve answers and transparency from their elected leadership. Now, on top of AOC calling for this investigation, which we believe to be underway, I remember the Albany, I think it's called the Albany Times Union, um, reached out and, and uh, someone said they could neither um, uh, uh, confirm or deny that the uh, investigation was underway, but that is currently what we're hearing, that there is a federal investigation underway, seeing um, exactly how Andrew Cuomo handled nursing homes. And remember, it was March 25th when he gave that executive order, putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. Now, on top of that, he was also threatening this uh, Democrat in New York, Ron Kim is his name. Remember, he was saying, you haven't seen my wrath yet, and I'll destroy you. Well, in response to that, if listen, if you're a Democrat and you have lost the support of Alec Baldwin, who should, with the amount of times that Alec Baldwin lies and just completely destroys his reputation and shows his true character of being a despicable, disgusting human being, Alec Baldwin now, though, tweeting yesterday, if Cuomo threatened Ron Kim's career, Cuomo should resign. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Democrat and Alec Baldwin is inciting with you, you know you have a lot of trouble. Now, there's also this report, Cuomo silent, as damning watchdog report says policy may have led to over 1,000 nursing home deaths. An Albany-based watchdog group says that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's nursing home directive was likely responsible for more than 1,000 additional resident deaths during the COVID pandemic. The watchdog group's analysis, which compared the death rates at facilities that admitted COVID-19 patients discharged from hospitals to the rates that others didn't, suggests the controversial mandate by Cuomo is associated with, in quotes, more than one in six of 5,780 nursing home deaths statewide between late March and early May. Statewide, the findings imply. The report said that COVID-positive new admissions between late March and early May, which numbered 6,327, were associated with several hundred and possibly more than one thousand additional resident deaths by the way a Cuomo spokesperson did not respond um yet now this is a true scandal and by the way if you watch Cuomo during his press conferences he is trying to backpedal as best as he can but there's one thing though Andrew Cuomo never at this point in time has still 
yet to apologize for his order. Now, I think that throughout a pandemic and this COVID coming to this country, and by the way, you're never going to convince me that it did. There's no, there's no coincidences. Rush would always say that there's no coincidences in politics. Well, January of our election year, we just get hit with a pandemic and a pandemic that was tailor-made to the entire Joe Biden campaign. Yeah, by our arch rival, by the way. So I don't think I'm ever going to believe that this was a coincidence that COVID came here to the United States. But that being said, you can probably, if you're a leader and you had to navigate your ship through this pandemic, well, I think you can be forgiven for some orders and some guidelines and restrictions that you put out there and just say, listen, we, we had no idea what was going on. We, we, we didn't quite know uh, you know, how, how bad this was going to be for the entire country. And, and, and this is unheard of. I mean, this is a, a, a hopefully once in a lifetime pandemic. If you listen to the Democrats, this might happen again. Listen to Fauci for God's sakes, this might happen again. Um, but I think you can be forgiven though, to say, well, okay, they, they really didn't know what they were doing, but Andrew Cuomo has yet to apologize and will never apologize for his order. Remember, no, this was it, it. This was not a federal government guideline. This was not given to him by by Fauci, by Trump, by anybody. This was all Andrew Cuomo. He decided to put those COVID positive patients into nursing homes. Now there's reports out about it. Now there's investigations about it. Now you have bipartisan support wanting to take away Cuomo's emergency powers. I mean, this is very bad if you're Andrew Cuomo. And what's now what's so ironic about it is the mainstream media doesn't want to touch Cuomo and his nursing home scandal. Why is that? Well, because they can't go back now. They gave him so much praise and credit. I mean, he wrote a book while New Yorkers were dying. Think about that. While New Yorkers were dying from COVID, Andrew Cuomo was writing a book. Andrew Cuomo was receiving an Emmy. Andrew Cuomo was on TV with his brother laughing while New Yorkers were dying, joking about a, about a swab, right? That, that's how much integrity Andrew Cuomo has. While people in his state were dying, he was laughing about it. But what the media is concerned about is Ted Cruz Cancun trip. Now listen to this. The, uh, the uh, Ted Cruz's Cancun trip was the, the focus of CNN MSDNC's primetime, not Cuomo nursing home scandal. That's in Fox News. ABC World News Tonight gives Cruz Cancun fiasco four times more coverage than Cuomo's nursing home scandal. So the media, I mean, they're like being dragged to the line where they're going to have to cover this at some point, but they don't want to. Trust me when I tell you that, they don't want to. This is so damning for Cuomo and the Democrat Party that they want nothing to do with it. Now in Newsweek, New York Assembly, GOP starts impeachment process against Cuomo with push for commission. New York Assembly Republicans will introduce a measure to form an impeachment commission designed to gather facts and evidence 
regarding Governor Andrew Cuomo's handling of nursing home deaths during the pandemic. On Thursday, Assembly Republicans, this was yesterday, announced a resolution to create an impeachment commission consisting of eight bipartisan members of the legislature. The panel would have 60 days to conduct its work and submit its findings and recommendations to the state legislature. Quote, the Cuomo administration's nursing home cover-up is one of the most alarming scandals we've seen in state government. It is incumbent upon the legislature to undertake a comprehensive bipartisan review of the Cuomo administration's policies, decisions, and actions on this matter, and then render a decision on what steps must be taken to hold the governor accountable. That statement came from William Barkley, Assembly Minority Leader. Now, introducing the resolution is the first step in the process of potentially impeaching Cuomo. But the commission might never come to fruition, Newsweek writes. For the resolution to pass in the assembly, Republicans would need support from at least 32 Democrats and the one independent. In the state Senate, Republicans would need 12 Democrats. So it is on to you Democrats. How much, you know, how much do you really want to hold Andrew Cuomo accountable for his nursing home scandal do you have integrity do you have honesty do you want bipartisanship do you want unity like joe biden talks about it's on them now republicans have here the republicans have put the paper in front of them here you go you want to sign it you want to come together or do you not we'll see what they do uh joe biden's i want to get back into uh joe unity biden today america's officially Back in the Paris Climate Accord. Let's get to work, he says. He he thinks this is such a great deal, right? Millions of dollars going to something that does absolutely nothing whatsoever when we're already leading the world when it comes to reducing carbon emission and everything that, that drives the environmentalists crazy. Now, John Kerry, who, remember, is the was a special climate envoy, climate czar is the easiest way to describe it, Listen to him today. The earth has nine years to avert the worst consequences of climate change. There's no faking it on this one, he says. So Paul Gassar, um, congressman from Arizona, uh, points out that back in June of 1989, let me say that again, June 1989, the headline in the AP was this. The UN predicts disaster if global warming not checked. 1989, this was going to happen. Same exact thing today. The world has nine years to avoid climate catastrophe. Greg Price, who's a um, Daily Caller guy, right, uh, puts a tweet out today. Four times John Kerry has been just so wrong. John Kerry. On August 31st of 2009, op-ed in the Huffington Post, scientists project that the Arctic will be ice-free in the summer of 2013. Uh, yeah, John, that didn't happen. John Kerry again. You'd have an explosion, an absolute explosion in the region, John Kerry said regarding the Middle East in response to Donald Trump moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, did that happen, John? 
No. But John Kerry in 2016, there will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. Well, that happened under Donald Trump. John Kerry today, nine years left. We have nine years left until climate catastrophe. Now, <clears throat> I want to know, though, why is the left so dark? So this belief that 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 nothing is good in this country and by, nothing's good in the entire world. You know, Joe Biden is a, there's a dark winter coming. Why do they talk about things like everything is so bad? I mean, listen, we are here. Whatever position you're in, we are living life. We just lost an entire year of our life to do whatever it is that we want to do because we are free as Americans, because we listen to Democrats, because all of their states locking down and shut down and uh, all the COVID restrictions and guidelines that we're having to deal with now. I mean, why do they paint things in such a dark light? I don't get it. Now, Marty uh, Macari, by the way, who is a, and let me get the title correct, professor at the John Hopkins uh, School of Medicine and Bloomberg School of Public Health, uh, chief medical advisor to Sesame Care and the author of The Price We Pay. He writes an op-ed, um, uh, was it yesterday? It was yesterday, actually. He writes an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Quote, we'll have herd immunity by April. It says, amid the dire COVID warnings, one crucial fact has been largely ignored. Now, get this. Cases are down 77% over the past six weeks. If a medication slashed cases by 77%, well, we'd call it a miracle pill. Why is the number of cases plummeting much faster than the experts predicted? In large part because natural immunity from prior infection is far more common than can be measured by testing. Testing has been capturing only from 10% to 25% of infections, depending on when during the pandemic someone got the virus. Applying a time-weighted case capture average of 1 in 6.5 to the cumulative 28 million confirmed cases would mean about 55% of Americans now have natural immunity. Now add to that people getting vaccinated. As of this week, 15% of Americans have received the vaccine, and that figure is only rising faster. Former FDA commissioner, Food and Drug FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb estimates 250 million doses will have been delivered to some 150 million people by the end of March. There is reason to think the country is racing toward an extremely low level of infection. As more people have been infected, most of whom had mild or no symptoms, there are fewer Americans left to be infected. At the current trajectory, I expect COVID will be mostly gone by April, allowing Americans to resume normal life. Now, again, these are the facts that this Dr. Makari professor is pointing out, oh, he's a professor. The left must love him. The left must love him. Some medical experts privately agreed with his prediction 
that there may be very little COVID by April. But listen to this now. But they suggested that I not to talk publicly about herd immunity because people might get complacent and fail to take precautions or might decline the vaccine. But scientists, scientists, excuse me, shouldn't try to manipulate the public by hiding the truth. As we encourage everyone to get the vaccine, we also need to reopen schools and society to limit the damage of closures and prolonged isolation. Contingency planning for an open economy by April can deliver hope, again, hope to those in despair and to those who have made large personal sacrifices. Now, that brings me back to the uh, quote that I always, uh, that, well, quote, verse, whatever you want to call it, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Again, I'm not the biggest religious guy around. I do believe in there being a God, and I should I, I could do a lot better going to church. But I love this, I love this saying, for God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and a sound mind to live each day and glorify his name. Again, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power. Well, I think with Dr. Macari saying that this is going to give people hope, well, the Democrats don't want hope. They don't want love. They want fear. They want this overwhelming amount of power that we as Americans have trusted them with. That's what they're all about. That's what they're worried about. They have so much power right now over this entire country that they do not want to give it back. But if he's saying we're going to reach herd immunity by April, then we should be back to normal life in April. You know, I was saying that, and I, and I still believe this, by the way, if the vaccine is available for every single American, you don't have to take it, but if the option's there for you, then there is no reason why we can't get back to normal. But if we're going to reach herd immunity in this country by April, well then listen, we might. that should be it. I mean, listen, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm sick and tired of, wa of walking around like this. Well, you can't even go into a grocery store. Or into, or into anywhere. Or in the net. Oh, make sure you have your mask on. Make sure you got that on. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of having to stand six feet away from people. I'm sick and tired of bars not being open if you've... And listen, and how stupid is... Think about this. How stupid is this? Who wrote this guideline? That if you're sitting down somewhere, you don't have to... Uh, you can take your mask off. Oh, as soon as you stand up. Look out, though. Here comes COVID. For some reason, COVID knows when you're standing up or when you're sitting down. And how about all the, the plexiglasses that restaurants have had to buy? Oh, here, put this plexiglass in. You know, even if, it, even if it's right at, the, right at the top of the table. Oh, nice, we have plexiglass. There's no way COVID can get around that. I mean, what does COVID just see it and think, oh, my goodness gracious, plexiglass. Good thing I can't go around this. I mean, every single guideline to me at this point in time is just so stupid. I want to get back to normal life. And I would, I would really hope and believe 
that a large amount, probably the majority of the American people want to get back to normal life as well. And we should never, after COVID, we should never take everyday life for granted. Again, we really shouldn't because this is how quick Democrats are to take it away. Uh, how about this? Uh, Breitbart, Democrats unveil immigration reform legislation. Democrats in Congress unveiled a sweeping immigration reform bill Thursday that closely aligns with President Joe Biden's vision offering a pathway to citizenship for some 11 million people. I have to give credit to uh, Dan Bongino, who's, uh, uh, I believe he has a podcast, an incredible conservative commentator, really um, uh, enjoy and respect the man. Um, and by the way, our, our prayers are with Dan Bongino as he battles um, uh, cancer, so God bless him. He had a really great quote. He was debating Geraldo Rivera um, on uh, Fox News, and I, I, he said, listen, there is a pathway to citizenship. It's called citizenship. Very simple, but right on the money. Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey and Representative Linda Sanchez, co-sponsors of the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, said they plan to formally introduce the legislation in Congress. We have 11 million undocumented people, also known as illegal people, living, working, and raising families in our communities without, without legal status. And by the way, Dan Bongino also argued that um, and Geraldo, who's a big advocate for illegals, and he doesn't care who comes here. If you're illegal, you just come in here. Well, who cares? Whatever. No, you got a you got a virus. Uh, that's okay. You have COVID. No, we don't need to test you. Just come on in here, right? Big supporter um, and all of that. Uh, he said, "Listen, you're making an emotional appeal when an emotional argument when this is a policy argument." And I, again, I think that's right on the money too. Now, what's in this bill? Here we go. An eight-year pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants who arrived in the United States by January 1st. An expedited pathway for farm workers and those who have deferred action for childhood arrival protections, that being DACA. Increasing the per-country caps, clearing uh, visa backlogs, and eliminating discrimination for family-based immigration. Eliminating the word alien in the US in US law and replacing it with non-citizen. That does a big deal there, Joe. Good idea. Reforming the employment-based immigration system by eliminating per-country caps and improving access for workers in low-wage industries. Increasing funding for state and local government for non-governmental organizations, immigration initiatives, protecting workers and improving the employment verification process. Eliminating the one-year deadline for filing asylum claims and eliminating the application backlogs. Well, Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio, I'm a massive fan of Jim Jordan, actually, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee uh, as well, said the immigration reform proposal is a non-starter and should be rejected by Congress. President Biden's immigration proposal puts our country's safety and economic interests last at a time when we should be focused on reopening our schools and getting Americans back to work and defeating COVID. And that's what, what it, it, priorities, Jim. Priorities, sir. Joe Biden wants illegals here. He doesn't care how you got here. He wants you here. Why is that? Oh, so you can vote for Democrats. And that's really what it's all about. The immigration battle always boils down to one thing. 
Democrats believe illegals are going to vote Democrat. Republicans believe illegals are going to vote Republican. And, and, and that's, or excuse me, are going to vote Democrat. That, that's the real key issue here. Now, there's more that conservatives actually care about. Conservatives care about being a sovereign nation and having control, security at home. Now, that, that's one of the five principles of the contract with America. That's what we care about. We don't want illegals coming here and stealing American jobs and then saying we have to pay for illegals to come here. Why would we ever want that? And I think one of the, the people that should have the biggest say on this are immigrants themselves, legal immigrants who have come here legally. You know, it's just, this basically is just like the student loan forgiveness argument. Are the people who, who did it legally and paid off their student loans, do they get a check now, even though they've, they've already done it? It's the, it's the same thing with illegals. Well, what do legal immigrants get? You know, it, it, it the forgiveness, the illegals, be, I, I don't understand it from the Democrat Party. They're so hypocritical with everything that they say and do. Uh, I have to give credit, by the way, to Lauren Boebert. She's a new concern. Now, she is so big on the Second Amendment, and Democrats hate her for that. They really do. Uh, Representative Lauren Boebert, by the way, she is from uh, Colorado, called on President Biden on Friday night to order flags lowered to half-staff to honor the life of conservative radio legend Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh's death has been widely mourned by conservatives, although critics have highlighted past comments by him that they allege were bigoted. Conservatives are calling on Biden, and by the way, I am joining with this now, are calling on Biden, lower the American flag in a show of political unity. I'm not going to hold my breath, but if Joe Biden were to do that, I would give him a lot of credit for that. I think that would be a show of unity. Do I think he's going to do it? Of course not, but I would uh, support it. Now, now, someone who's already decided that um, he's going to honor Rush Limbaugh is Governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. This is in Town Hall. Here's how Ron DeSantis plans to honor Rush Limbaugh. Conservative titan Rush Limbaugh passed away this week. After losing his battle with advanced lung cancer, Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis has come up with a way to mourn the loss of the conservative icon. And I know they're still figuring out arrangements, DeSantis said, but what we do when there are things of this magnitude, once the date of internment for Rush is announced, we're going to be lowering the flags to half-staff. There's not much that needs to be said, DeSantis said. The guy was an absolute legend and that he was and i do agree um with that and i think ron DeSantis is the best governor in the country uh now as we go into the weekend i want to leave you with rush's words himself rush limbaugh's last show broadcasted uh broadcasting but broadcast excellence as rush would say was on february 2nd and his final words on that show were well my friends that's it Yet another excursion into broadcast excellence in the can. Enjoyed being with you today. Always do. And look forward to the next time. Thanks to Mark Stein, who has been in standby mode all day. Wasn't sure I was going to be able to go today. And then each hour I had to assess. But we made it. Thank you, Mark Stein. See you all next time. I mean, how fitting of the final words on Rush's show. Say, but we made it. Thank you. See you all 
next time. And by the way, I you know I I take a lot of comfort thinking about up in heaven now. He's probably having a conversation with Ronald Reagan, uh, William Buckley, uh, Barry Goldwater. You know, I I I bet they are just talking. But they're probably having cigars, really truly enjoying heaven and the afterlife. And um, it 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 just goes without saying. But I want to say I've said it all week. I want to say it again. Uh, and this, you know, and I'm, we'll we'll honor Rush every year um, on this program on. Uh, February 17th but you know just from the program here and from me myself personally um I just want to say thank you thank you thank you for everything L Rushbow have a great weekend back here on Monday see you then